WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 96, All About the Hobbit, Chapter 9, Barrels Out of Bond, being the 96th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And I am joined today once again by Allie Gordon. Um, Rat Prince? Yes. Is, was that your title? Thank you. Rat Prince, <laughs> Frodo Apologist. I feel like every time like every time I come back, we'll add a new title. Perfect. <laughs> so, until it sounds like Aragorn's name. Yes. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Um, well, I'm just so happy to have you on for a Hobbit chapter because I remember when you were on for, when was a Return of the King episode for the movie. Mm-hmm. Is that when I had you on? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I just remember you talking so much about how much you like loved all things Hobbit. So I was like, well, I got to get her back on. Yeah. For a Hobbit this chapter. is what something that I read as a kid and I like loved it and then didn't read Lord of the Rings until I was much older, like maybe like a college aged adult. And I feel like um, when I was rereading this chapter, I was seeing the things that uh, like made me so excited as a kid. Like part, and I think it's partly how it's written too, where it's like, you might understand where this is going, but they didn't. And like, as a kid, you're like, I do, I do understand where it's going. I'm the <laughs> smartest kid in the world. <laughs> you're like, I know what you're talking about, Tolkien. Exactly. I'm as smart as J.R.R. Tolkien. So this chapter is very, um, I saw the name Barrels Out of Bond. I had no idea what happened, but I know that I have seen, I've seen like fan art of dwarves in barrels. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen maybe some like images even from, from the movies. So like I knew that something happened in this chapter that was very iconic. So I was like, okay, I'll get someone, I'll get someone on who I've had before, who I know is fun, um, for a fun chapter. (laughs) Yay. Wow. Thank you for entrusting me with a fun chapter. Yeah, of course. Um, and it's, it is a very like fun chapter i mean not for i guess like from the outside perspective of like the narrator um who by the way the narrator like the i i, I want to say that like the narrator himself is or her herself maybe we don't know who the narrator <laughs> is oh no i'm just kidding um is like becoming its own character completely and it's becoming like way more fun throughout this chapter too yes and i do think that that is like not to jump ahead too much, uh, something that is, like, not at all present in Lord of the Rings. There's never any, like, mm-hmm. asides to the audience where they're like, so Frodo went into the cave. Now, you might know what was living in the cave because you're looking at spider webs, but the poor lad, he did not. Like, that's very much in The Hobbit, and that's, yeah. like, not at all in The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, because The Lord of the Rings is so much more, um, there's just, like, there's not room in it to be, like, fun and whimsical. Yeah, I think it'd be very like, weird to Hobbit. be, like... To, to to treat the audience like they were part of the story and then also be like, and then Bormir was dead. Anyway, like, like and you're responsible on. for that too, reader. It's like, no, I'm not. Please leave me out of this. <laughs> I want no part of this. It wasn't me, I swear. That being said, though, I think this is the shortest amount of notes that I've taken for a chapter so far because, like, it's just a lot of, like, Bilba sneaking around doing sneaky stuff. Yeah, I took a lot of screenshots and, like, highlighted little parts that I was like, that's cute, or whatever reaction it was that I had to it. <laughs> that's what my yeah, notes that was looked like, like. kind of essentially the extent of a lot of my notes, too, where it's just being like, oh, that's a funny line. Yeah. Like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> I do sort of, like, um, here's my, here's my, like, take now on The Hobbit that I didn't think I had until 
and I was rereading it and I was like, no, I really do think I feel this way. B- Bilbo has the like, um, the arc of like the cool girl in like an adventure movie. Do you know what I mean? Where they're like, this chick can hang. Like, or like, you know what I mean? Like she's still kind of cute and everyone's like always like, leave her behind. She'll never make it over the fence. And then she like jumps over the fence first and they're like, dude, I didn't think you could do, I like, I didn't think you could do that. But it turns out you're pretty cool. Like that's his whole thing. It's he's always like, I got sick first and now I'm sneezing kind of cutely. But also I went the fastest and now everyone's like, this little, this little dude's cool. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. You're saying that um, Bilbo is the same as um, like Triss in Divergent. Yes, yes. Where they're just like they're like, like they're you like, can't hang with you us. can't hang with us. Like you don't know what it's like to be on the road and like really roughing it. And then and then she's like, "Do I?" And they're like, "Dang, Triss, that's so cool of you." <laughs> he keeps like proving himself to the point where. The dwarves are getting, like, increasingly annoying with me. Yeah, it's like, I'm at a like, certain point, you're going to have to let this guy hang. Like, just, like, let him sleep peacefully for one night. <laughs> <laughs> so this chapter begins with the... So so the previous chapter ended with Thorin in uh, imprisoned by the wood elves. And then this chapter begins with the other dwarves and Bilbo heading out, trying to figure out, like, which direction do we even go in? Are we going to live? Who knows? And then they're immediately captured by the elves. Good job, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I love this part where it was like, uh, uh, shoot, I can't find the exact line, but it was like the the elves came out um, and the dwarves immediately gave up because they were so tired and they just sat down and let themselves be captured. I feel that. <laughs> just like, you know, you know, we talked about that the last time where it was like when people are like, if there was an apocalypse, I'd survive. And we were like, I wouldn't. No. And I so like, die. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I felt that when they were like, we were so tired. We were so disoriented. We are it's like the idea that you might be taking me someplace with water. <laughs> like, I don't care Excellent. if I'm your prisoner, please just take me there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, it also reminds me a lot of like in um in horror movies or I'm specifically thinking of like a quiet place where there are these monsters that are just terrifying. And like the idea of running from it is just so, like the peril of running away. It is so like stressful. Yeah. Um, which is, of course, like, you know, that's like the anxiety that like horror movies specifically like feed on is that ain't that anxiety of like the chase. And just this idea of like if I was in the horror movie, I would just be like, you know what? Let the monster. Completely. Because if somebody was like, look, here's the situation. There's a monster in this building. But if you escape the building, you'll be fine. I probably would give it a good shot. But if they were like like in a quiet place, they're like, this is the rest of your life. No sneezing, no stubbing your toe, <laughs> no nothing. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to find the nearest river and just let it take me away. <laughs> um, so I just think it's hilarious that the dwarves, they're just like, you know what? We deserve this. Let's, let's get captured. And then Bilbo, he's like, I'm, I'm a head out. And puts the ring on and disappears. Yes. And then puts the ring on for what? Over two weeks. I know. That's something that I was thinking about, too, is that, like, granted, um, at this point in, in Tolkien's, like, writing process, um, I believe, like, an, I, I believe from what I've, like, gathered from people messaging me or, or um, discussions in our Discord and whatnot, that Tolkien hadn't necessarily made the ring out to be what we know it to Completely. be in The Lord of the Rings. It was, like, really more like a magic trinket. And yeah. so there's no... Like, certainly when I was a child reading this, having not ever read Lord 
of the Rings or even knowing what happened in it, there was no part of my brain that was like, what if the ring was evil? Which is wild because that means that at some day, <laughs> at some point when they were like, please, please, Mr. J.R.R., like, write more for me. He was like, okay, what if, what if instead of what when if? you put on the ring, you could sneak around for two weeks, it actually saw into your soul and made you want to kill your friend? <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. wild, wild idea. Let's go with that. I, I might have gone I, I might have gone in the direction of like, let's explore more of this Gandalf fellow yeah. <laughs> rather than like this tiny little, you know, you know, innocuous trinket that he happens to pick up. I do, what I do like and really respect is that when it came time to write more, he was like, OK, well, first of all, I've got one non-negotiable and it's that a hobbit is the lead. And they were like, really? Because you've like come up with a million different things. There could be a dwarf. It could be a this. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's going to be a hobbit. This little ring's going to get into the hands of a sad, tiny little man. And you're gonna, oh, he's going to be in so hobbit. much trouble. He's going to be very depressed for a long time. For a really time. long time. Incurably so. Which is something that, like, I've always wondered, sort of, about um, the, the ring and, like, its possession. Like, like Frodo's, Frodo's time with the ring and the effect it has on Frodo versus, like, Bilbo's time with the ring and the effect it has on him is just so... It does not seem, like, equivalent. No, there, it's and, not. And I think, like, I, I think that the, like, actual in-world explanation for it is that, like, because the evil was not strong, it was not a corruptible force. Do you know what I mean? But then I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Is that true? Because when... Smeagol put the ring on, it took about six seconds for him to kill his best for friend. Him. And then exactly, Bilbo wore yeah. it for like two weeks and he was fine. But he and, was fine. And clearly Smeagol was pre-Bilbo because Bilbo meets Gollum in The Hobbit. Right, yeah. Which I know is not a spoiler. Thank God I did that the right way. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I also knew that he that they ran into each other before starting. Yeah, and they the just Hobbit. have like a fun so little. They have like a fun little like semi little riddles yeah. as opposed to him being like, I'm gonna bite your neck and smash your head in with a rock. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, oh, you've also he's changed. More, yeah, he's a lot more kid friendly. A yeah. lot more, you know, G G rated PG than he is in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Earth. he's just like he truly is just like a little g- gremlin as opposed to like a malevolent. Levelant force, and then I guess it's like like because Sauron is getting so strong now. When you put the ring on, his evil is like powerful too. That's the explanation I've been given, and I like like well, it. But I don't think it makes sense timeline wise. So I was I was going to say that like my I guess my explanation for like why does the ring have such a strong effect on Frodo when Bilbo was had chilling. it for so much longer, <laughs> um, and my. Like, reasoning that I came up with was that, oh, well, it's because the closer, maybe it's because the ring knew they were on a quest to destroy it. And so the closer they got to Mordor, the clo- like, the stronger it became or, like, the more. But your uh, example of, of what the ring did to Smeagol within, you know, 10 seconds, totally, yeah. that has nothing to do with my theory. So exactly. this, is, this is a very valid know. There's really, point. I, I'm not sure if there, like, really is, like, a, like, scholarly accepted theory as to one over the other. Every time anybody's ever said something and explained it, I've always been like, now that's the answer. And then about four hours later, I'm like, but what about... But what if? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't, I don't have the answer. I would love if somebody was like, I have it now. Yeah, it's. I think it. It just comes down to that. Like, I don't necessarily think there is an in-universe answer because the only answer is an out-of-universe answer, which is that when Tolkien wrote The Hobbit, yeah. he didn't know that the ring. It was, was just a fun evil. little story about a fun little guy. 
Yeah, and a fun, a fun little ring, <laughs> and a fun little ring that he had that um, quickly becomes not so fun. Um, <laughs> so quickly. So I mean, I wonder. I just want to know what like the first readers of Fellowship of the Ring in you know like nineteen fifty, I don't know seven. Uh, I can't remember exactly when it came out. I wonder what they were like when they're like, oh, hey, there, there's that ring that Bilbo had. Oh, that's so nice that he's leaving it to Frodo. And then, like, they turn the page and the next chapter is all about Gandalf being like, yeah, this ring is it's evil. the most evil thing in the world. Look in this fire. <laughs> and it doesn't like, burn. It's cold as ice. And he's like, oh. What? <laughs> I do what kind happened? of feel like it's like, I don't know, like going through like a loved one's things and like finding their possessions and you're like, oh, they owned a gun. They owned a really big gun. Like, why'd they own a huge gun? I'm like, what? We never talked about this. Oh, man. So yeah, that is what that feels like. It feels like like Frodo being like sad that his uncle left and then somebody being like, oh, yeah. And also, you have the most powerful, horrible weapon in your home uh, and you had no idea, but now you have to take it someplace. Oh, yeah. poor little man. Um, yeah, I love. I would love if somebody's explanation for why the ring is evil in in Lord of the Rings is that just Frodo was sad. <laughs> Frodo was sad. He was just a sad little boy. Yeah, I have a oh, I have a friend who, when her mom was reading her Little Women when she was a kid, so I guess like probably old enough that she could read herself, but it was still like a fun tradition to read with her mom. Um, when Beth died, the mom had like kind of not been following really well, and my friend was like, "What happened? Why'd she die?" And her mom went, "Because she was sad." And, <laughs> and that was her only explanation. So my friend genuinely thought that Beth died because she was sad. Sad. For such a long time. So I think that could be it. It's like, why is the ring evil? Oh, yeah, Frodo is um, Frodo's sad. Sad. Yeah. He's just really sad. I don't know. I think I would believe that. Because I think, I think when, when it has it, it doesn't, because when Sam gets it briefly, he doesn't, it, I mean, then again, he only has it for such a small amount of time. But it doesn't have like nearly the effect on it that it does yeah he's like i'm gonna he's like i'm gonna garden the shire out of the world and then he's like I was gonna he's say, like wait yes, you're getting exactly. a little big for your breeches young man and then he hands it over and every <laughs> every single time someone brings up that point i think of in um the first very potter musical where there's a song where quirrell says when i rule the world i'll plant flowers when i rule the world i'll plant flowers <laughs> when i rule the world I have such a moment for you right now, and I'm so happy to say this. I wrote that line. You're kidding. I'm really not kidding. This is going to sound like, this is going to sound like I'm, I'm joking. This is going to sound like I'm bragging. I'm just being like, this is an amazing thing for me to lie about. No, I'm bowing down. Okay, this is crazy. I'm so happy that you said that because I, I there's no way for me to ever tell the story out of context and not be like, and no, actually, please don't, please don't. I'm really, actually, cool. So I... Well, so I, I do want to say, I I was kind of wondering like how exactly you were connected with, with Starkid and all of... All of those creators. Yes. So yes, please tell me literally anything you want to tell me. I mean, me. so I was a I was a freshman at the University of Michigan when that show was being written. I had done stuff with those people because a lot of them were on my improv team. We had also done a thing called like twenty four hour musicals, and I had done ones with like Joey Richter and Darren Chris and blah blah blah. So like they were all people I knew. But I have a really they have a really strict rule at my school when you're a freshman you're not allowed to do any student shows because I think they think it's gonna like distract you from your like serious acting class work. I don't know. <laughs> so I could not audition for it and be part of it. I, otherwise I would have like clearly loved to, but did not do that. But all of my, like, dearest friends were in it. And my boyfriend at the time was writing the music, not Darren Chris. Um, 
and was having a lot of trouble with that song. And I remember I came over after like a late night rehearsal. It was like 11 in, at night. And I just really wanted to go to sleep. And he was like trying to like puzzle it out and like was like, but what like, because like they knew the concept of the song was like two of a kind, kind of like, aren't yeah. we so different? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I can't figure out like if his thing is like being evil, what's his thing? And I was like, I don't know. He probably wants to like stay at home and like read books in Jane Austen novels. And then like that, oh and then like sat down and wrote, and then that was the line. And so that's why Jane Austen novels are still in that in that song, that that one little non sequitur. I, I love all of this. Thank you. Also, oh like gosh, I've never said that like for a really long time, but then we did that like um we did like a ten year reunion recently, and we had to like all write little blurbs in like a little like fake yearbook thing, and. But AJ, who was my boyfriend at the time, was like, and also, by the way, that line that everybody likes in that song was Allie. She gave it to me like a really long time ago. I'm finally saying it. That's for- amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> oh, it's so, so good. So I, I, I want you to know that like, I consider um, a very Potter musical to be like the pinnacle of comedy. I, I honestly agree with that. And I can feel comfortable saying that because I only wrote one line in it. So I don't feel like I have any like claim to the rest of it. Like, it blew, it it blew just, my mind when I saw it in person. It just I never so ceases to make me laugh. Yeah. I, like, like even all these years later. I went and I saw it the, <clears throat> the night that it opened. And obviously, as you can imagine, nobody knows something's going to be a hit when you're making it, you're just yeah. kind of like, I hope my friends like this. And a lot of those people were seniors who were just like trying to make things to have like fun one last time with their friends on campus. So that was kind of the vibe. And so I saw it the first night and I brought my like handheld camcorder and I sat in the front middle with next to Joy Richter's mom and we are talking the entire time. And like my camera's That's shaking because so I'm laughing and we're like, he's very talented. Like that. <laughs> and so like my footage was unusable. And I remember afterwards I was talking to, uh, Corey Lubowitz, who, like, made the set and was, like, a major production designer on it, I was like, we should film this um, in a real way because uh, there is currently not really any archival footage. It's just what I did, and it's not usable. Um, and thank God it was, like, really actually filmed after that. We should use that Allie Gordon shaky cam It footage. exists somewhere. It fully, fully <laughs> exists somewhere. And I, and I would really love to find it and just see us, like, fully talking over the show. <laughs> so, Can you imagine if that was what was on YouTube? That's so funny like, and why amazing. Is this, like, why is a woman and her mom talking? Sorry, we have to get back to the Hobbit. <laughs> no, well, my follow-up question related is I know that there was a Hobbit musical. Yes, yes. Do you, are, are you able to provide any insight I wish. into this? That was, like, that was like a couple years before I arrived. So I don't know okay. anything about it, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Because that was my thing when I so when I when I first started this podcast, I, I I was saying like, oh well, Mike Schubert with Potterless, he is so lucky because when he is done reading Harry Potter and watching the movies, he gets to experience the joy of like a low budget <laughs> musical Completely. created in the late 2000s by college kids. You know, I think that if I you don't get are that. looking for something to do, I think it would be really fun for you to look at the actual serious Lord of the Rings musical that was written in the mid 2000s. Oh, I'm definitely doing that. We have um, on our network, we have a musical theater fan podcast, Sincerely Us. Everyone go listen to it. And I'm definitely going to have them on and we're going to, which, okay. So I know that there's that failed, you know, West End Lord of the Rings musical, and when I was reading this chapter specifically, it occurred to me, why wouldn't they just try and make the Hobbit musical? Yeah, it would because be so much easier. So much 
It's so much shorter, and it's also way more whimsical and fairy tale esque, and like also, and there are lots of like silly songs that could be worked in. One you of know, the things about like, the Lord of the Rings, so like, there's not a lot you can find online, which is why it's probably not a good idea. That I was like, that should be your next podcast thing, but actually, I do think it'd be fun. But I had a friend who saw it in Toronto or Vancouver. It was somewhere in Canada, but it was that same production that didn't really like make it to the West End. Um, and I had a very strong memory of her telling me that at one of the intermissions, nobody was allowed to leave their seats because orcs were patrolling the aisles up and down the aisles. So they like wanted it to feel like serious and immersive, but also That's it was like- terrifying. Yeah, and people were like- What if you have to pee? They were like, I have to pee. And the orcs were like, get back in your seat. And I was like, oh, oh I'd be miserable. No, that's too stressful. No. So, and then like, I during this quarantine, I was like, did I make that up? And I talked to my friend Charlotte and she's like, no, that really happened. And you just like made me like flashback and sense memory to like somebody being like, don't, don't, don't pee. You're not allowed to. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I had like a problem with being like, it's a funny little musical. And also it's very serious. And also it's immersive. And don't get out of your seat because an orc will kill you. It's <laughs> That's like, true. Um, what if we dial back the stakes a bit and instead of telling this story about this sad little hobbit boy <laughs> trying to save all of humanity, what if we instead just tell this story about this introverted little hobbit boy? Yeah, I think the hobbit would who make a good musical. goes off on an adventure with dwarves who bullied him. There might be a hobbit musical. Um, I'm going to say that with 85% certainty. You know what? Let's see this. The Hobbit, the musical. Because I, I work in a music library and I see scores and I think I pass one that says The Hobbit. Let's see. A musical production, The Hobbit, was staged in 1967 at New College School in Oxford. It was scripted by Humphrey Carpenter, set to music. I don't, these names like, mean nothing fake to names, me. Absolutely know? fake. <laughs> um, okay, what's this? Um, this is Tolkien's The Hobbit by Perry Friedman Rogers, Freeman and Rogers Perry, maybe Rogers. It just says Rogers, comma, Friedman and Perry. I mean, I I never, obviously it's not like a well-known musical. I think someone tried it. I don't think it's very famous or has permeated pop culture anyway. And I agree that I think that if they were going to try and cash in on the Lord of the Rings mania of the 2000s. They should have done The Hobbit instead. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I found, I think, song samples possibly (gasps) for this. Okay, I will investigate this later. (laughs) But yeah, that's what I think you should do next. I think you should do all the different musical and play adaptations of The Hobbit. Oh, yeah, I've got, um, I've got a lot of the, like, weird adaptations to to go through um, once I finish the Hobbit movies because I have I'm doing the cartoon adaptations I knew that there was a Soviet era adaptation of the Hobbit and then recently there's news that there was like a previously undiscovered Soviet era adaptation of Lord of the Rings phenomenal and this has been released for free so I will definitely be covering that um I think, like, the weirder, the better. Yeah, for sure. For me to, for me to cover. Um, anyway, okay, so this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> this chapter. What a, what, a, what a wonderful what a tangent. tangent for us to go down. Um, anyway, yeah, so Bilbo 
puts the ring on and sneaks behind them and follows them into this like elven hall and it says in a great hall with pillars hewn out of living stone sat the elven king on a chair of carven wood on his head was a crown of berries and red leaves for the autumn was coming in the spring he wore a crown of woodland flowers in his hand he held a carven staff of oak and i was just like this dude sounds dope yeah to change up your crown for the seasons it's like thank you yeah i love that he has seasonal outfits appreciate it um but also the way that they introduced him i was like oh he's gonna be a big character um in this chapter no no <laughs> Not i hope really. you enjoyed what and you like, saw maybe and like maybe they, they come back again but i was like so far these wood elves just sound really cool and mysterious and i want to learn i always want to learn more about the elves yeah. when i'm reading the books i mean but I don't want to skip too far ahead into this chapter and, like, not speak in order, but these elves are the cool elves. Like, if you've read Lord of the Rings and or, like, been watching the movies and we've been introduced to, like, the other elves who are, like, everybody walk in a line and will be wearing purple velvet <laughs> and we're going to speak very quietly. Then you meet these guys and are like, did you get drunk again, you loser? And you're like, oh, my God, wait, these elves party. So these are these are absolutely the elves that party. They sound dope. Yeah, these sound dope. But unfortunately, the whole plot of this chapter is escaping them, getting away I from know, them. I know, but any glimpse of them, I was like, these guys sound fun. They sound really fun. Yeah, so they question, the, the king questions the dwarves and basically tries to get the same information out of them that he tried to get from Thorin, but they're like, we were just traveling. Is it a crime to travel through your land? And he's like, actually, yes, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Great answer. Prison for all of you. <laughs> He does bring up a good point, though, because he's like, I mean, you were traveling on this road that my people made in our country, and then you tried three times to interrupt our feasts and Shanghai us, and then all of that roused all of the spiders. So, like, you've caused enough chaos for me to maybe at least ask, why are you here? Yeah, I think that's fair. It's it's yeah. definitely more fair than in, like, in the Two Towers part movie when they're like, you guys are orcs. And they're like, no, we're not. We're hobbits. And they're like, just in case you're orcs, you're arrested. <laughs> it's like, that's a lot. I feel like that's more, more unfair. <laughs> um, and so they throw them all into separate cells. Um, and I love this little, um, little like, glim- you know, glimpses of this, like, personality from the narrator says that they didn't know that Thorin was prisoner. But it was Bilbo who found that out. So I love all these little like sneak previews at like the the um like adventure the, the like cleverness yes. I guess that like Bilbo gets up to. Um and so then Bilbo, yes, like we said, he spends the next two weeks, he ha- he keeps the ring on and he'll like he'll sneak outside when the gates are opened, but then he's like, I don't know where I am. So I can't really do anything except go back in and try and figure out a way to get all my friends out. Um, Boy, howdy, I sure wish Gandalf were here. Yeah, there's a lot of (laughs) I wish Gandalf was here in this chapter. Yeah. And it says he soon realized that if anything was to be done, it would have to be done by Mr. Baggins alone and unaided. Um, And this is kind of carrying off of what happened to him in the previous chapter where he has this very much, I I think of it as an Elder Cunningham moment in Book of Mormon at the end of the first act when he has this moment where he's like, I'm going to (laughs) man up. Yeah. He has this moment where he's like, yeah, I'm Bilbo. I can do things. But in the same, truly in the same paragraph after, Tolkien makes sure to say that when he heard Bilbo's little voice at his keyhole, he's like, but also, by the way, don't forget... 
These little these little guys are they're, they're cute boy. as hell. <laughs> they're just <laughs> cute little guys with tiny little voices. Yeah. And so he find yeah, so that's how he he like spends this time walking around this like king is it a castle is it is it underground What's... i don't really know they don't specify very well in yeah. my mind it's like kind of underground kind of not i would th- i feel like they can't be entirely underground because that was sort of a dwarf thing yeah that's what i, was and I feel like they too. have such, maybe just they have um... such beef that if they were like well dwarves live underground they'd be like wow well we're not gonna do that not if they're doing yeah. that we're not doing that <laughs> um maybe just like the prisons and the cells are underground yeah and like storage or whatever. Yeah, and sellers. And so yeah. he's like following. Sellers are underground, so that that checks. And out. he's like that following people. He has to like run up up to the top and then run back down. But I kind of really yeah. wish I knew more about like what the actual like legit royal quarters would look like. It sounds really dope yeah. of just this idea of like a like a hidden castle, like royalty, like castle fortress in this dark forest inhabited by these wood these mysterious wood wood elves who who have these like feasts out in the middle of nowhere with like torches and bonfires and like all this really cool stuff yeah i do yeah, wish they're living large. i knew more about all this but instead they're like we gotta go we gotta leave <laughs> and so bilbo after like exploring for a while that's how he finds out that thorin is here um and he talks to thorin about like what um, about like what Thorin is doing there and how they got there and, and catches him up to speed and whatnot. This kind of gives Thorin. Thorin was ready to go to the king and be like, "Okay, so we're we're passing through because we're trying to get some of our treasure." But this meeting with Bilbo kind of gives him like a glimpse of hope and is like, "Maybe we will get out of this." Uh, it mentions that like the dwarves came to trust Bilbo a lot more during this period, which is just what. Gandalf had said would happen. Yes. Yeah, that was another really good example of all of them being like, wow, I guess you are a cool girl who can li- who can hang on our adventure. It's like, <laughs> you're not such a loser after all. Um, yeah. Something that I had a thought of when I was reading this, I don't remember. Do you play D&D? Or have you ever played D&D? I don't play D&D, but I'm vaguely familiar with That's it. That's totally fine. That wasn't like a, but like you a can trick go ahead and, question. <laughs> I was, you can go ahead and, and and make whatever, you know, comparison that you want, because I guarantee a lot I'm of sure people some listening people will know what you're well, talking about. Well, and also, like, pretty notably, some of the, like, very, very original D&D was just, like, taking cool stuff that Tolkien did and being like, sweet, let's mm-hmm. put that in a game, including basically hobbits, which are halflings in D&D. Mm-hmm. But, like, many, many other things, including, like, weapons, monsters, mechanics, so much of that stuff is, like, from old fantasy writing. Um, but one of the mechanics in D&D is dark vision, which is that, like, certain races can just see in the dark. Elves can see in the dark. Dwarves can see in the dark. And so this whole chapter, every time they were, like, bumbling around and being like, oh, we're not very nimble right now. We've been locked in the dark for, uh, you know, 12 days. I was like, wait a minute. In D&D, they can see in the dark. But I guess in Lord of the Rings, dwarves can't see in the dark. Which doesn't check out. Oh, actually, I remember we talked about this. Um, the guest that I had on for the previous chapter, we were talking about this because there's this whole part where they're walking through the forest and they decide that Bilbo has the best eyes. Right. <laughs> and and we were like, why is that so? Because like the dwarves live in the dark exactly. and they live in these they live caves. underground. Like it to me, it makes sense that that would be like a trait of the race of dwarves is that like they like see really well in the dwarf. The dwarf. We decided that <laughs> it might be because the dwarves are used to working like if they're mining they're used to working like very close up with something so they only have um 
they're 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 nearsighted in the dark. Is that when you can yes, see? I always get farsighted and nearsighted. Dark. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like in the dark, where like they have good. Which now that I'm saying that, that's kind of like what literally everyone is normally. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also can see really well in the dark, but only if it's like super close to me. <laughs> really close. Up. Yeah, that's that's just normal vision. Okay, so but yeah, that was something right, I thought that was what? interesting because I was just like, Never I mind. would assume that for a, a, a people who are like, yeah, we like live underground. It's fierce you'd be, like, very comfortable in the dark. And instead they were like, ow, I've been underground for too long. My knees hurt. My eyes hurt. hurt. It's like, wait, this is, like, what you do all the time. This is, like... Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure being, like, in a cell in captivity is probably a bummer. But... Very traumatizing. Yeah, but it's not like they were like, I've never been underground before. My eyes are really messed up. You know, this is an excellent question. Um, It's right up there. Number one is, why is the ring evil? Number two is, can dwarves see in the dark? Why can't the dwarves see in the dark? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> and so Bilbo, after a while, it says that like he has like a stroke of luck. And I'm just like, that's just like who he is mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. Because um, like it was just a pure stroke of luck that he that he stumbled across the ring. Oh, which actually I should mention, I found out that Tolkien, when he originally wrote The Hobbit, the way that Bilbo gets the ring is like he it's a prize that he wins in this riddle game between him and Gollum and then something some I'm not exactly sure like the details of why he went back and changed this in other editions but how it is now is that Bilbo just like stump just happens to find it in the tunnel on the floor and that's how he gets it um I, don't know, I just wanted to throw that out there for the sake of like continuity for the podcast. I don't know that like I have since learned that like originally the way that Bilbo got the ring was very different. And then like it was sort of explained away in Lord of the Rings because it was something about like Bilbo being an unreliable narrator in the. This is where I get very. Yeah. I, like, get in a, I wish in a I had because some I'm insight. Like, I don't really think I, I don't really think I'm I like, do. Because I'm like, technically, Bilbo wrote The Hobbit, but he's also an unreliable narrator because of things that, like, we learn later on in Lord of the Rings. But then when you go back... Anyway. Yeah. I'm going to get stuck in this loop. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at a certain point, we have to, like, assume that they're telling the truth as the narrators of these things. Like, it would be weird if, like, the, the part of Lord of the Rings was, like, somebody being like, hey, Frodo, why'd you write that I died on the journey? I'm like, fine. And he's like, oh, haha. I, I just thought it'd be really dramatic. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, like, it's like, well, I didn't die. So take it out it's of like, your book. Have you heard of narrative structure, yeah. Sam? <laughs> exactly. It's exactly being like, I don't know, Boromir. I just thought it'd be dramatic if you died, okay? Like, <laughs> whoa, you know what? I actually like this theory a lot better that Frodo was so like put off by Boromir constantly like, begging him for the ring yeah that he's like fine you die in my book that he was like you know what you're dead bam and then meanwhile frodo is just he's like sitting around i don't know fire at rivendell telling the story to everyone yeah and they're like and they're like oh man that sucks like, what? <laughs> what actually no i take that back he finishes writing lord of the rings he publishes it immediately pieces out to the gray havens because of because he knows that there's going to be backlash oh my god it's like remember that guy who was on the oprah book club who wrote a just like a fake memoir it was called like a million little pieces or something like that no i don't i know the i know the book title it could be called that it could be called a thousand i'm not entirely sure basically somebody wrote like a very dramatic memoir and then it was like an oprah's book club pick and stuff and then uh it all came out that it was like pretty fake and she had him on her show to be like, so why'd you lie to all of us? 
And then he went to the Grey Havens oh to escape the drama. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some things that Bilbo says in Lord of the Rings about, like, his adventures with his adventures that happen in The Hobbit that, like, when I am actually reading through The Hobbit and then, like, the thing that he talked about in Lord of the Rings happens in The Hobbit, I'm like, wait a minute, this didn't go down at yeah, all like, that's how you, you said. said it did. <laughs> yeah, and all the parts where they're like, Bilbo, you're so cool. This little guy rocks. Those are just him writing about himself. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. bragging about what they said about him. Who knows if they said that? So um, Bilbo gets to the cellar where he realizes there are all of these empty barrels and he sees that they have a process for getting rid of the barrels and dumping them in a river um, because they have... Um, so I... Okay, okay. So the, the wood elves bring in... What is it? Export? They import. Yes. That's the word. They import all of the... They import wine. And then it also mentions later that there's like apples and other food and stuff from the outside world, like from man. But then they have the audacity to get mad at the dwarves for walking through their land when they are bringing in all of this other stuff from the outside world. But then they're not okay with like... I don't know. I just thought it was very hypocritical for a it second. It is definitely that, like, like... What's the rule here? my friends like what are we allowed to be mad Maybe at if you had brought wine we would have been okay with this yeah i think it's also didn't. just like they just hate them it's like having neighbors that you like hate and like anytime they make even like the tiniest sound you're like see there they go again and so i think it's like one of those things where elves are like dwarves suck and then it's like look at them walking disgusting let's go arrest them let's go arrest them <laughs> Meanwhile, Bilbo's just like, they're just... They're just walking. walking. <laughs> We're just walking. <laughs> What's happening? Um, so he discovers that there's the cellar. There are all of these barrels. And they send the barrels down the river, I guess, so that, like, the villages that they import goods from can, like, reuse the, bil- the, the barrels. I don't know. Whatever. Um, and I was like, okay, I see where this is going. Because um, throughout this chapter... It never, there's never a moment where Bilbo like sits down and is like, okay, here's the plan. Yes. It just happens before you're Although eyes. I do really like that because as opposed to him like yeah, explaining to people what's going to happen, he basically brings them down and is like, you get in that barrel. And they're like, you're a madman. He's like, I don't care. This is your only chance. Do you want, actually, he's really sassy. He's like, oh, oh, you don't oh, want to yeah, get in my I barrel? Okay, well, I guess I'll just like, walk you back to your cell and lock you in for the night. And they're like, okay, Bilbo, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll get in the barrel. <laughs> Which I love. That feels so unbelievably in character for the Bilbo that we know to him, for him to be like, oh, you like my plan? Does anybody else have a better plan? Or should I lock you in a cell again? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so he uh, watches, he waits, there's this one night where there's going to be this feast happening elsewhere, and um, who's it? it's like the, okay, so the chief guard and the butler, that was it, come to, they're like, well, we better taste this wine and make sure it's good enough for the king. <laughs> Don't want it to be poisoned or anything. Let's taste it ourselves. Make sure it's they suitable. They are the party. They are the party elves. <laughs> That's why I loved it. Like, I love that they're like, I mean, I guess we should try it. Yeah, I mean, I guess. And then when they get drunk, all the other elves aren't like, how dare you? They're like, oh, look who's in trouble. Look what you look who did. Got, like, they're just like part, they're like frat bro elves. Yeah. So they they drink and they get drunk and pass, to, and pass out. And Bilbo grabs the rings from the, the not the rings. What are they called? Keys. keys. A ring of keys. <laughs> Ring of keys, that's it. He grabs the ring of keys from the guard and goes to let out 
the dwarves one by one. At one point, he says, like, follow me. And I'm like, Bilbo, you're invisible. How can they follow great you? Great question. Really great question. <laughs> Whatever. So he lets them all out and he locks their doors back, which I think is smart because... This will at least buy them some time if some if a guard were to like patrol back. If they just like if they were to like leave the doors open and the guard just like glances down the row and sees the doors are open, they're gonna immediately, you know, yeah. be like, Okay, something's not right. But he locks the doors and then they go and get Thorin and then he takes them down to the cellar and um explains to them what they're gonna do and then yeah this is when he has his sassy moment he said because thorin's like this is insane this isn't gonna work we're gonna drown and we also might get ouchies <laughs> they're like we're gonna get <laughs> and what if we get ouchies what then <laughs> i also really liked the line that, that was like right before this before they get in the barrels the line was, um, Bilbo, before they went on, stole in and kind-heartedly put the keys back on his belt. So, like, that even if they escaped, nobody would go to this particular garden and be like, it's your fault. Your keys were stolen. It's so nice. I thought that was very hobbity That's of That's so him, hobbity and he's so like, cute. He's like, this isn't his fault that he got drunk and passed out and I stole his keys. Um, that was me. Yeah. So I will put the keys back so at least he's not to blame. And that feels like such a hobbit thing, too, of being like, first of all, who among us has not dr- passed out from drinking too much wine? <laughs> Secondly, yeah. who doesn't like, it's like getting in trouble for something you're not in trouble for? Like, number one cardinal rule of hobbit life, like, don't blame me for your problems. It's like, it feels like he took his, like, weird little hobbit morals and was like, I mean, it's not this guy's fault. <laughs> I don't want him to get in trouble. I just want to run away forever. And he also has this moment where he's like, also, it's going to be really funny when they wake up and realize we're gone because they're going to be like, wow, these guys were magic. I love that. And I love that. Yeah, this idea that like they were tricking them into thinking that like they were super magical people when they just stole the the keys. Um. So yeah, so he starts putting the dwarves into barrels and starts um like putting the the lids on and stuff and then this is where it notes that like some of the barrels are a bit too spacious and the dwarves were grumbling about being like knocked around inside the barrel and so Bilbo's trying to like pad it with hay um and then Thorin says something Thorin complains and Balin complains and all this stuff and I'm just like oh I'm sorry is escaping from prison a little bit uncomfy for you? Like, maybe, maybe you can just go back there and die, huh? huh? I love it. I'm sorry that you. I, I'm sorry that like this might be a little bit uncomfortable for you. Like, shut up. <laughs> and he even is like, "Wow, I guess um, you could think better of it, and I could try and get the keys again if I even want to." It's like it's so sassy. He says, "Yeah, come along back to your nice cells." And I will lock you all, I will lock you all in again, and you can sit there comfortably and think of a better plan. But I don't suppose I shall ever get a hold of the keys again, even if I feel inclined to And then they're all like little school children who basically it was like their teacher being like, well, seems like I'm the only one who wants to have a pizza party on Friday. And they're like, no, no, I also do. I'll be quiet. I'll walk in line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. So someone complains about an air hole. And this is my question is that like, because it says later on when they're floating down the river that Bilbo, he was like, oh, I hope I got the lids on tight enough. But then it also says something about like making sure they have enough air holes. But I'm like, if they have air holes, that means the water's going to get yeah. in. Yeah. I wonder if so it's like air holes real- on the top. This plan, there are some holes. In, there, are some, there are some holes in this plan. And no holes in these barrels. And no holes in these barrels. Because the other thing is that if you don't put air holes, because they are in these barrels for a while, presumably. Yeah, they like go down the river for quite a bit of time. Yeah. 
They would suffocate if they don't have air holes, but the water would get in. Otherwise, not going to question it. Just pointing it out that like there is a little bit, there is a flaw in this plan. Yeah, he's complaining about them being sassy, but they have they have a ground they have ground to stand on. Certainly, being like I'm a little scared actually. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like you keep holes in the top, but not on the sides. But the barrels. Yeah, they, like, um, jump around and stuff. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, they, like, f- spin around. So how would you know, like, which one would be top? And Well, I guess if you're inside the barrel, you could, like, spin it so that the air holes on. You know what? I don't know. I'm thinking too much about this. It's like when people <laughs> argue about whether or not there was enough room for Jack and Rose on the same top of the piano yeah. or whatever. That this, that, this yeah, version the, the, of that. Yeah, the door or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> which there definitely was. There could have been enough room, but what if there wasn't enough? What if it was too much weight? They tried one time to get him up there and it like kind of tilted a little bit and he was like no no, no you stay yeah there. that's true they gave i think they should I, <laughs> I think they should have all al- they should have alternated um and taken turns but that's fine whatever but maybe much like we are he was like listen i'm not a fight person i'm a flight person and i and i'm <laughs> gonna go i'm not willing to do this for the next 14 hours yeah i'll just i'll just sit here and yeah, die maybe um and rose you will go on to eventually drop the most expensive jewel into the ocean of all humanity into the ocean and then in a no million years some astronaut will get it for britney spears <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens so <laughs> so then as the other elves come in and they kind of give these two elves who fell asleep a hard time and they're like they're like oh haha what you fall asleep for and then one of them is like i don't know and they're like what do you mean you don't know the bottle is literally right there I love it. <laughs> next to your hand um and this is when bilbo realizes hang on let me try and find the exact line because it's like another moment of the narrator being like sassy oh yeah yeah i have it it was at just this moment that bilbo suddenly discovered the weak point in his plan most likely you saw it some time ago and have been laughing at him but i don't suppose you would have done half as well as yourselves well you would have done half as well yourselves in his place i love that and Bilbo realizes at this point that he's forgotten a barrel for himself. I'm obsessed. And I'm kind of like... It's such good sass. And it's even better to imagine that like, Bilbo being like, okay, first of all, I know you're going to laugh at me. But second of all, if you were me, you would have been freaking out. <laughs> no, I would have... How do you forget to put yourself in a I barrel? That's that. my thing. Like, this is the whole escape plan. And I just love the thing of like, you wouldn't have done better if you were in that situation. It's like, I think I would have remembered to put myself in a barrel to escape too. You know, like, I think I would have realized, oh, wait, I'm not in a barrel. (laughs) Yeah. Or like when they were talking about there's like a part before where they're like making sure it's tight, making sure you didn't get like knocked around. It is weird that at at that point, if it was happening really fast and it was like, jump in and go, I could see being like, oh, my God, I miscounted. But the fact that they like took times being like, are you comfy? Does that fit you? Are you good? (laughs) And then for him to be like, look around and be like. Uh, yoink. (laughs) It's like, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Also should mention that the elves have a song for precisely the situation of pushing barrels out into the river. And it's a long song. (laughs) It's a long song. Is it Um, like a page and a half, maybe? I don't know if you listened to the audiobook chapter that I sent you for this one. I listened to it and this part of the song reminded me it had the exact tune, I swear, and um like rhythm and cadence of a hymn that i would that like we would sing in church <laughs> that's like so funny to the t and i was just like i'm dying and then i fast forwarded to the end yes sometimes 
Sometimes you just need permission to be like, I don't need to hear what these elves are singing about. I don't need to hear what they're singing. They're singing about barrel. Well, not necessarily barrels, but they're singing about something going down the stream and over rapids and being floated away into other lands. And that's what's happening to our protagonists. Yes. And I just think it's hilarious that like the elves have such a specific song for such a specific occasion. I, I do think that that is like... That makes perfect sense to me that elves have a song for absolutely everything. Everything, yeah. Um, Which I think this is the moment, actually, where I was like, wait a minute, why didn't they just try making a Hobbit musical? Yeah, that would have been 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 so much more. Like, maybe this song, maybe like this song specifically doesn't have to be included in the Hobbit musical. But there are a lot of songs already written in here, a lot of source material to pull from. Yeah, this song would be super fun if it was like, done in counterpoint where it's like the elves singing about like their unnamed objects fly like going down the river and then it was also like a fun little like actiony patter song for the the dwarves actually going down the river yeah. and like it's like song in counterpoint okay we're gonna write the hobbit musical okay let's do it let's do <laughs> okay, it okay <laughs> don't, don't twist my arm twist my arm why don't you yeah <laughs> and like i just think it's so much more also just from like a state like a staging perspective i just think it's so much more achievable to be like how can we make this effect of like dwarves in a barrel and barrels on a river versus a volcano blowing up Completely. <laughs> and like the battle of helms deep you know like the scale isn't nearly as big and it really is just like it's just tough because i do think you should watch some of the clips that are on youtube of lord of the rings musical because like parts of it you're like wow stunning and then other parts of it like oh Gollum is a little man in a skin tight little suit just Ooh. jumping around at the lip of a red volcano. I mean, Gollum would have to be, unless the only way that you could have Gollum being actually played by a person in a Gollum costume is if you got Andy Serkis. Yeah, and it's not. That would be my only, like, exception. But, like, otherwise I think Gollum would have to be a, a puppet. I wondered why it wasn't a puppet. Spoiler alert, it's, it's not a puppet. It's a little man. <laughs> a man in a little little skin tight suit. <laughs> Ew. Okay. So at the last minute, Bilbo like jumps onto because he's still invisible at this point because he still has the ring on. Um, he jumps onto like the side of a barrel and clings onto it, and then eventually gets floated away down the river. And it says he was all alone, for you cannot count friends that are all packed up in barrels. I just thought that was that really funny. funny. But, like. It doesn't count when your only company are locked away in barrels. <laughs> so they float down the river and every now and then Bilbo is able to be like, oh, I think that that barrel has a dwarf in it because it's sinking a little yeah. lower than the other barrels. But that's essentially like as much as he's able to like make sense of like where everyone is. And eventually they come to a point where all of the barrels are gathered and he is able to like jump out of the water and he sneaks around this village and steals what is it he gets a like bottle of wine bread and a pie that was it i remember i like that it says and a pie that did not belong to him yeah well certainly not but thank you um and i had this image in my head of like all the like 
old like classic cartoons where like someone puts a pie out on the windowsill and then like a hobo comes by or or Tom and Jerry come by yes, or whatever exactly. and grab it off the windowsill. That's what an I was invisible, imagining. An invisible man comes by and grabs yeah. it. And uh, the problem though is that he can't really stop and rest because people are sort of able to see where he is because he's wet and he's dripping everywhere. And making like, and like wet little footsteps. <laughs> That sounds gross. His wet, his wet little, <laughs> his hobbit. little hobbit feet footsteps. <laughs> I also really like that that paragraph um, starts with, there's no need to tell you much of his adventures that night. And it's like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, I guess I guess we're skipping, yeah, we're skipping like, that Yeah, it's like, I love when it's like sort of inarguable. It's like, I'm not going to tell you. And you're like, please? And it's like, no, you don't need to know. It's like, okay, thank you. Right, yeah, I actually uh, actually highlighted that line. Um, so it says, there's no need to tell you much of his adventures that night. For now, we are drawing near to the end of the eastward journey and coming to the last and greatest adventure, so we must hurry on. I love it. Yeah, so I love this little, like, characterization of the narrator being like, oh, we're coming. Like, our tale is, like, almost coming. Like, we're, we're finishing up, like, our second act, and we're about to enter the third and final act. This is the greatest part of the adventure. So I don't want to, I don't want to linger on these details because the really fun part's about to come. I like that. Especially if you imagine that it's, like, Bilbo writing it, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, cool. And um, I'm, I'm like... So where was this narrator during Lord of the Rings? <laughs> well, it all depends on who wrote it and whether or not it's a written unreliable narrator. I could have used you uh, in Lord of the Rings when they were, you know, 15, 20 pages in to the Council of Elrond. <laughs> really needed that narrator to come in and be like, all right, let's hurry yeah, up. Yeah, to be like, as you can imagine, they spoke for quite a while. Yeah, it shared many important details that actually aren't that important. Yeah, everybody was wrong about how they could approach Mordor. That's all you need to know is yeah. that nobody really knew what was going on. <laughs> um, and so Bil- Bilbo's also, he's a little sick. He's a little sick. I know, there's so many like references to like his ex- explosions of little sneezes. <laughs> Um, and that's another way that he, he kept, like, getting discovered in the, in the village as he was sneezing. And I'm like, oh, that's so cute. I know, right? <laughs> Imagine being like, I think I'm getting haunted by a ghost. And the ghost is really sick with cute little sneezes. <laughs> <laughs> so then this is where we get another, like, group of elves. And these are the raft elves. And I'm like, the raft elves? Yeah. Like, like who are, like, what? <laughs> Because in the previous chapter, it mentions, it says, like, the wood elves, the sea elves, and then it said the deep elves, and I was like, the fuck are they? Yeah, what are the deep elves? Like, what are the deep elves? Do we know? Is that a thing? I remember one of my guests provided uh, an answer for what the deep elves are. I don't remember what that answer was. Phenomenal. (laughs) When I edit it in, uh, in a week... Then I will remember it. I like that he just was like, "Look, I can make up anything. No one's ever said what what dwarves are where, so or, or, or elves are where. So I'm gonna just tell you." It reminds me of one of my favorite sort of like accidental jokes in um, the original run of the Adventure Zone. In the Adventure Zone, the first time they do it, uh, balance, which is like D and D rules, which is why it's funny because it's like you can only really choose like stuff that's in the manual like if you like there's like tons of choices but it's like here's your back like here's backgrounds here are tools you can't just be like i'm carrying a big rock on a stick it's like well you're gonna have to choose it you can't really do that like we can make like a modified axe or something but like whatever and at one point the dm asks one of the players like what kind of dwarf are you because it's either like a hill dwarf or uh i don't know what the other one is oh no i forget whatever there's only two types of dwarfs and he goes we were beach dwarves. And so suddenly, like, the DM has to, like, make up a whole kind of species of dwarf who are, like, we live on beaches. 
That's what this feels no, like. I just have this. I have this image of like gimli in a bathing exactly. suit. Exactly. Like, it's like as opposed to being beach. like a mountain so dwarf. Amazing. It's like there are the hill dwarves, there are the mountain dwarves, or the beach dwarves. And it's like and they're just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they do is chill. Oh, it's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, there are so raft the, elves. There's deep these elves. Are the raft elves. And it seems it's so funny to me because I guess their name of like who of like the type of elves that they are only comes from like this one thing that they do, which is they tie the barrels together and create a raft and raft down the river. And that's why they're called the raft elves. That's it. Is because they make rafts out of barrels. Some people define themselves by their job. <laughs> it's a very specific job too. yeah they're really so, proud they're like the people who are like the alaskan, could have been the river. King, alaskan fishers or whatever it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> like hey it's my life yeah um and they note that these barrels are pretty heavy for barrels that are supposed to be empty which is the question that i had when the elves were loading the empty barrels to be pushed out onto the river i was like how did they not notice that these are way heavier than empty barrels should be? that's true I, I you know? actually think, or at least my mind explained that away, is that they were all, like, a little tipsy and... I was going to say, like they Like, they, they were coming from that feast, and they were sort of like, oh, mm-hmm. shoot, I gotta do my job tonight before I can go back and drink more. And they probably were, like, just a little sloppier than usual. But for somebody called a raft elf, and this is your whole life, like, girl, open your eyes. <laughs> yeah, and they say, like, well, if it were daylight, we would open these barrels and see what's inside. But... It's dark, so let's get going. Again, and can elves not see in the dark? Right? Because also, like, even in, like, Lord of the Rings, like, what do your elf eyes see? And you can see, like, four miles in the distance. But, like, if they were like, it's dark, I can't open this barrel. (laughs) Just the, and, like, if your entire identity is about the rafts and the barrels that make the rafts, you would think you would go to the trouble to at least open the barrels and see what's inside. But if they were to do that, then our, our, I was about to say antagonists, our protagonists (laughs) would be discovered. (laughs) What a twist. You're like, and I also, I hate Thorn and I hate the dwarves. (laughs) They're my antagonists. I I was going to say, I do kind of not like the dwarves a lot because they're so, they're so mean to Bilbo. They bully him all the time. They really do. And then they only care to like give him an ounce of respect after he's saved them like at this point he's saved them twice yeah it's yeah a lot and they they like only like him when there was something in it for them and also like it's so weird that he'll be like i wish i was at home sitting in my chair and they're like loser and it's like okay not but you guys suck at adventure yeah but it's also like how is that a dramatic statement to be like oh i miss my like my comfy chair and and it's like that seems pretty universal. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just, I mean, but like for my thing is that the dwarves, you know, made this big to do when they met Bilbo about like, he doesn't seem the type for adventuring. And then here they are complaining about like, mm, I might get bruises. Yeah. And it's like, well, then what are you doing here on this adventure too? You know, like if you're not willing to like be a little bit hungry and a little bit lost in a dark forest and attacked by spiders, then. Yeah. What's the like, point? What, like, yeah, like you're not a good adventurer either. So stop acting like you're better than Bilbo. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, yeah, so the raft elves are like, eh, whatever. These barrels, I guess they're kind of heavy. No worry for us. Um, and they go rafting off down the river towards, it just says the lake and lake is capitalized. So I guess this is an important lake. I don't know. Or maybe it's just the only lake in Middle Earth. I don't, I don't really know. 
I know that like they keep talking about Lake Town as like the town nearby. So maybe it's like the Lake Town lake Lake. yeah (laughs) the titular lake of lake town and then we end on this very ominous note it says they had escaped the dungeons of the king and were through the wood but whether alive or dead still remains to be seen i know i mean it's so funny because it's like you as the reader are like alive i bet (laughs) yeah it's like i hope they're alive but it also brought in this idea for me of like schrodinger's dwarf yeah in that moment when they're in the barrels (laughs) bilbo doesn't know if they're They're both alive and dead and neither alive nor dead exactly which would be super grim and dark if they like you know get to wherever they end up and bilbo goes and opens up the barrels and like five of them are dead and he's like oh oh geez This was a mistake. Yeah, we were supposed to go fight some like really scary stuff, but it turns out this did it. This took out half our company. This is how we died. (laughs) I do feel like that is very true of like when you're reading like when you like fall down like a rabbit hole with a Wikipedia article, and suddenly you're reading about like weird battles or things, and you're like, the company started off strong with ten thousand men, but five thousand of them fell down a very large hole, and you're like, more please, and they're like, we have no further information. (laughs) Next, and you just like like, keep going. What? That feels like that. It's like, yeah, we actually we actually started out with like 12. There was a whole barrel incident, but that's too much to explain. <laughs> yeah, anyway. there, was a barrel, there was a barrel incident. <laughs> and that's how we lost our dear cousin. Bowen. Yes, it's like, the what? It's like, I don't have time to tell you. <laughs> don't worry about it. We don't talk about the barrel we don't talk incident. About that. <laughs> well, that is the end of the chapter discussion. Yeah. Allie, was there something that we glossed over or something that you wanted to discuss or, or bring up? Uh, I really think it is funny how much and not at all in lord of the rings but a lot in the hobbit tolkien is like and also by the way i know that hobbits are just little men please don't treat them like they're babies but everything they do is cute (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) that's you know i totally see exactly exactly and like the amount of times that especially in in lord of the rings too though where like the hobbits are trying to assert themselves as being like strong and like capable and then it's like and then boromir scooped them up yeah in his he's arms. like he ruffled their hair and it's like yeah that's very patronizing <laughs> they're very cute uh, but yeah like even in this one they talk about him stealing the keys and it's like they were very heavy in his little hands <laughs> It's like, oh my god. But then he's also like, but also there he is the protagonist. He's very serious. Hobbits are not babies, they are not children. He's like 50 years old. He's a full-grown man, but his sneezes are adorable. And I want you to know that specifically. <laughs> and also he stole a pie that wasn't. Exactly. His. In a really cute little scampish way. Yeah. I just I think I love that. It's like it's like both asserting dominance and also being like, Dah! at the same time. <laughs> I love that too. Yeah. Yeah. Allie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, You can find me on Twitter and also Instagram at Miss Alice Nutting. That's M-S-A-L-I-C-E-N-U-T-T-I-N-G. That's kind of it right now. Uh, Someday, if you're near New York, I hope to someday be performing improv and comedy again. I have no idea when, where, or why, or how. Or any of the above. But if it was going to happen, I'd probably post about it on my Twitter. So you can follow me there. <laughs> I, I think our approaching date of, like, theater reopening, I think it's getting, like, I can... Yeah, I'm hoping. I was about to, I was about to burst into uh, the climb by Miley <laughs> Cyrus. Cyrus. I can, because I can, it starts off with, like, I can almost see I can almost it. see it. I, I am <laughs> you know? hoping to, at some point this summer, do a... Uh, a two-person musical with one of my really good friends who I used to do musical improv with. Uh, But even then, I don't think it would be for an audience. I think it's still just, like, a Mm -hmm. little too risky. So I'm hoping to, like, get a black box theater for, like, a day 
and film it and then just like put it online or something. But like, it, I just like really miss performing with my friends. And so that seems like a good and relatively safe excuse to do something like that. Yeah. It would be even more amazing if you did The Hobbit musical. Yes. Just, just two people just doing The Hobbit, Hobbit musical. <laughs> just just you guys. I love that. Or 13 dwarves. <laughs> I think it'd be great. Okay. Well, if this first one goes well and we're looking to do a second, I'll be getting in – what were their names? Like Friedrich Gostrel and Rogens. <laughs> I'll get in contact with them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. See, see, yeah. Get in touch with them about copyright. Yeah, send us over. Um, see how they feel about doing like a two woman, <laughs> two, two woman, woman show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. As a proud member of WBNE, you can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows, like Unsobered. Hi, I'm Julia, the host of Unsobered: Badass Women of History and Literature, the podcast where I talk about the women that the history books history classes, and the general public often overlook, or who just get a brief mention, but we never really know the whole story of their impact on the world we live in. On Unsobered, I share the stories and histories of these badass, amazing, and strong women. And while I tell you the history we don't get from traditional history classes, I get more and more drunk over the course of the episode. So join me to learn more about your favorite women, or to find a new favorite woman that you didn't even know contributed to one of your favorite things, with new episodes every other Friday. The cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About, such as t-shirts and stickers, by going to tpublic.com slash users slash pod or following the link in the episode description. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can find me on Twitter at mcwhatsup and Instagram at mcturndownforwhat. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash pod and exploring the different tiers and perks that we have available. I say we, it's me. Hi, it's me. You can support the podcast by becoming a sponsor like Christina. Christina, you're just amazing. Thank you so much for your support of the podcast. And also, here's a shameless plug for the restricted section. You should go listen to it, especially because, (laughs) shameless plug for me, Um, I've been on recently, uh, maybe two weeks ago, I was on with Tyler, and there was a fun moment about three-fourths of the way in where we thought they were having the baby, it was a false alarm, but then like a week later, the baby was born anyway, so yay, happy birthday, Finn. Um, And then also, I believe, as this episode is coming out, tomorrow will be the episode that we recorded with Mike Schubert, and this was for one of the chapters that is the climb max of prisoner of azkaban it's all a very fun time and i love prisoner of azkaban and i specifically love these chapters so definitely go listen to that and also definitely tell christina next time you see her that she's a wonderful person and one more thing before we go this saturday may 8th is the rva book lovers festival it is going to be virtual because of the ongoing panopticon Pandora, Papa John's, whatever you want to call it. So that means you can participate wherever you are in the world. There are going to be bookish vendors. You can support small presses, literary crafters, um, as well as panels and readings, all from the comfort of your own home. I will leave a link to that in the description. And there are special events leading up to the festival, like tonight, as this episode is coming out on Tuesday, May 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I will be a part of a Lord of the Rings versus Harry Potter Facebook Live 
live stream with some people from the restricted section. So it's bound to be a fun time. I will leave links for all of that in the episode description if you are interested in tuning in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Um, I just really want you all to remember that hobbits are cute. No matter how hard they try to do anything, <laughs> what they do, how they, what they achieve. I just want you to know that if they sneeze, it's going to be really stupid cute when you hear it. (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about.